2020 changed the trajectory of my life forever. I was 24, succeeding in a job that offered huge financial reward, yet I was unhappy and unfulfilled. My chronic illness, cystic fibrosis, had caused my lungs to bleed and it left me in a hospital bed. Now I left that job and created this podcast and I left that hospital bed to run marathons and prove that we aren't defined by our circumstances, but rather how we respond to them. On this show, we discuss the adversity that my guests and I face and how we overcome that adversity. This is a lot to talk about. G'day, g'day. Welcome back to another episode of A Lot To Talk About. It is your boy, the captain of the ship, the man in charge, Bradley J. Drybra. And of course, you can call me Brad. Blessed to be here today with a fellow Aussie who's living in New York City. I met this gent about October last year when I was over there for my little solo adventure. And I just loved hearing about everything that he's doing. I'm going to read you a little bit of his resume and hold steady because it's bloody big. Do I, have so, to, do I have to listen to this the whole time? Like, are you going to... Mate, gonna, listen, absorb it, and, and, and love every minute of it, mate. You deserve it. <laughs> so they call him the healthy chef. He's amassed a following of over a million people on TikTok for his videos that I'm sure you've seen where he approaches plenty of amazing people in the streets of NYC and LA, finds his way into their home and cooks them a bloody grouse-looking meal. He's the chef or was the chef for Chris Hemsworth's center app, the fitness app that took the world by storm. He's an avid runner. We've been talking about ultras and all the crazy training he's doing just off record a few moments ago. He's the founder of Charlie Street. He's just the man that makes so much content and puts so much good stuff out into the world that he deserves to be doing well. So ladies and gentlemen, from your home, your car or wherever you are, give a very warm welcome to the one, the only Mr. Dan Churchill. How are you, brother? Thanks, Skipper. Can I call you Skipper? You mate, the go ship? for it. Mate, mate go for was, it. Uh, still, still, but you get this, bro. Still, but and everyone listening in, having an Aussie have someone like you, you feel you feel weird when people talk about you, but and you don't like talking about yourself because that's how we're brought up in Australia. But, <laughs> but, but I'm glad to be here, dude. It was really good to meet you out and um when you came over here, your little stint, and uh, it's cool to see what you're doing, man. Like it really is. You see. In this space, in this health and wellness space particularly, it's really, really cool to see people like yourself who are passionate, driven, like in it, not for themselves, but to provide resources for people to have change for them and inspire them. And it's really cool to see you doing that, bro. I appreciate that a lot, brother. I was super inspired meeting you because you're almost, you know, a couple of steps ahead in the journey of where I want to see myself and not particularly doing exactly what you're doing because Mate, I'm I'm bloody good for a couple bits of toast with egg, with eggs and peanut butter <laughs> on top. So I'm no chef, but and my missus would agree with that. But I love that you've taken this leap into the content world, and there's a team around you who are doing amazing things, and you're putting out a lot of good, and I love that, and it's entertaining as well, and it's so good to see an Aussie over there in the big smoke making it happen. But I want to ask you, you know, you're a master chef in 2013 over here in Australia. I don't know too much about your story before that, but I'm really interested as to whether MasterChef was just an experience that then ignited this flame to go on and do what you've done, or was it part of sort of a grand master plan to make yourself the, the healthy chef that you are now in the content space? Mate, I um I can't believe that's 2000, that's 10 years ago, bro. That's, that's so crazy. Um, mate, so I didn't go on MasterChef to like i'd love to I, I was a massive fan of the show i generally loved it i brought up loved cooking loved jamie oliver loved all that and so for me man like the the idea of going to the show which i loved was more of like a good challenge to myself and i was going on to genuinely learn i'd actually spoken to a couple of the contestants from prior years and i was like by that stage i'd actually self-published a cookbook called dude food so I wasn't a trained chef. I hadn't worked in a restaurant per se as a chef. I'd been brought up with my home environment, um, cooking for my family. And so I was like, well, I love the show. Everyone who's been on it says you learn a hell of a lot. So I'm like, uh, let's go into this and um, have a crack and go as far as I can absorbing and being a sponge. And that's honestly what I did. Following MasterChef, and as I went through this, I really realized that, you know, despite being in the world of, you know, strength conditioning, as I, I did my degree in that, and like I really love working with athletes, I really got this affinity for 
food and I always had, but I always thought that there was only one way to be involved in food. Um, and so MasterChef was a really good, dense period of learning, learning all that food, different cultures, different chefs, different cuisines, techniques, camera time, how to work with cameras, um, how to work in a production environment. So like I, you learn so many crash hot skills. So coming out of that, I kind of knew, you know, I really was, I was always fascinated by Jamie Oliver's like ability to build a team and like do things around that, around a vision that he had for himself around food. And that's, that's honestly what I wanted. And so following MC, you had this um, pretty quick cycle of opportunity to present yourself to the world in a way that really resembles you. And I, I it's talked about a lot. It's like the breadcrumb effect, but you know, it was definitely a strategy. So when, I was new, nearing the end, I was like pretty close to the finals of, of MasterChef. And I knew no matter what, there's only about two weeks or a week to go, whatever it was. In that time, like I'd learned as much as probably as I could. I was speaking to judges all the time. And they were saying, you know, at this point, all you can do is now think about what you want to do next. And you, you have a small window to, to kind of catapult yourself with the media opportunity you have. And so what I did was I was like, well, I self-published my first book that did well. And so what I did was, well, I have to make sure by the time this final series ends and I come out, I've got a cookbook that will be presented and available. So I knew how to already self-published. I made so many mistakes in my first one. I decided to do it again. And um, that was kind of like, that was kind of like an opportunity, like got into all the bookstores because of my existing presence. And then what I made sure of was actually to not disassociate myself, but to try not use the term master chef in any of my, my immediate work, not because I wasn't proud of it, just because you want to kind of start to not be associated um, because you don't want to be known for only as the guy from master chef. And if you think about it now, no one knows me as master chef guy, except for people do their research and which is, which is good, which is like what I wanted. But now if master chef asked me to come back and like, you know, I'm always proud to say I have the phone call or chat to them or whatever. So I think that was my initial thing. So in a nutshell, did my degree in exercise science, did my master's, worked with, you know, respected codes in Australia and sport, self-published cookbook, did MasterChef, self-published next book. And then from there, it was like, okay, well, I'm in this content game. That's, um, that's how it started. And then what I did was throughout the nights, I'd be jumping back in kitchens and working my way up the line. That's how it worked. Yeah, wow. And so it sounds like you were pretty motivated and and wanted to live this life you would have been one of the early adopters of the social media world in this space is yeah, that fair to definitely. say oh absolutely yeah 100 i um i actually remember that i was like wow like there's this thing called instagram it came out and like <clears throat> you definitely learn pretty quickly i think that's what i was fascinated by was the ability to communicate with the community um mm. so quickly you put a, by then it was just images. You put an image out there. You're trying to tell the story. And it's so funny to think back what my, my images were back then versus now. But I distinctly remember like take a photo of like an open burrito and thinking like, and posting that and like getting X amount of likes and like, or like I get, I get like a photo, a really it was a shit house photo of me like preparing for my shoot for my cookbook. And it was like a really bad photo yet. It told a story. And so I got really fascinated by sharing my story with people and not in a way that was like, look at me more in a way of like, Hey, this is, I think people like to relate to people. And if you relate to my you know, vision for what I have for myself and, you know, my, my personal um, goals and ambitions, maybe you can also, and being in the world of health and wellness, which is so true to me, I, I thought that was quite relatable to the Australian um, audience, particularly. So that's an interesting question then that arises from that. So you spoke about sharing your story and I was just speaking to one of my best mates about this the other day. He's got a brand that he's building a bit of a social presence for, and he's doing really well in the social worlds. And we spoke about the importance of having a narrative, a narrative that is consistent and there for people to follow as not so much just posting for the sake of posting, but allowing people to follow that journey. Now I think about myself right now and I'm very connected to what I see as my purpose and my direction for life. I wonder if you go back to Dan Churchill of 2013 coming off the show and starting to put out that content, what was your narrative or what did you identify as your purpose in the world at that point in time? Oh dude, such a strong question. <clears throat> and this is probably one of like, I don't say luck, you know, cause I truly believe that luck is where, you know, opportunity intersects preparedness. 
I say that all the time because when someone says they're lucky, I'm like, well, you had an opportunity to present yourself and you were ready to take it because you were mm. prepared. Um, but what I will say is I was very fortunate to know what my end goal was. And I've talked about Jamie a couple of times, but I, I, I didn't want to be Jamie. I knew that I could be a version of what he represented from an Australian, a young bloke, you know, passion behind food, more in the health space. And I'd see what he had paid for himself in a category. And it was such a fortunate thing that at such a young age, I knew what my end goal was. Because people mm. get to like 40 and still don't know what their end goal is. You know, 50 even. They're like constantly working towards something they don't know what it is, where it'd be like hitting a, a financial goal. For me, I wanted to get to a position of notoriety to have positive impact on the world. And I saw food as my tool to do that. So whether it be getting to a position where, you know, I have a number of followers that has an influence on the way the government decides the nutritional label should be, or being able to, you know, have enough passive income that I can fly to a region of the world that is subpar in education around ways to cook and learn and the skills to cook as opposed to just providing food for those places. So mm. I, I knew that I was brought up by my mum and dad and my two brothers to have a heart that really want to have an impact. So if you gave me that power, I was going to use it for the greatest good ever in my field. Yeah. And so I knew that at such a young age and it's such a, a blessing because all I had to do, and I say this all the time, knowing what you want at the end means all you need to work is how to get there. If you go to the gym and you haven't set yourself a plan, you get to the gym and you mosey about, you may, you know, may do the same workout you did a couple of weeks ago. You may jump on the chest press. You may start to do some flies. You may do the same rep scheme, but you haven't set yourself a plan. If you go in there with a plan and you say, I'm going to do these eight exercises, two of which are going to be supersets. I'm going to make sure I do 60 seconds. You will come out of there once you finish that. So excited because you've achieved an end goal. And the same thing applies to me in life. I'm so excited because I'm continuing to work towards my end goal. Meaning anything on the other side of this lateral movement, if it's not within my path, I can just say no to it. Oh, mate, I love that so much. And I love that you strongly identify with an answer to that question because probably not so much a problem back when you started in this space, but I see now with the prominence of social media, especially a world like TikTok where anything can go viral. I think yep. a lot of people come into the space, make content without a plan or without a purpose or goal in mind. Something blows up and it may not be something that's healthy for them to pursue, but if it blows up, they attach themselves to it and they find yep. themselves five years down the line with this disassociation with purpose or understanding of what they need or want to live a happy, content life. Yep. And I think the fact that you've identified with that early is something I recommend to everyone I speak to who feels a little bit lost in life. Like I'm no guru, but what I know from my own personal experience is the minute that I attach myself to a life purpose or what felt like a meaningful pursuit to me at this point in time, the quality of my life just significantly increased. Tenfold. Tenfold. Absolutely yeah. tenfold. And it's, it's so funny you say that dude, because there's people I speak to in this world. Like, you know, I just got, I just got my silver button, right? My friends so and my cool. friends who have millions of millions of um have got the gold, they've got the gold one. Some of them like are like unhappy because the content they're doing is not what relates to them, but they're doing it because that's the that's the vision that everyone associates them with and doesn't fulfill them anymore. Like I could cook and I could do fitness until the cows come home and some, you know, like I that so it is so true to me and so important. You talked about narrative, which we'll come back around on. You talk about authenticity and being true to you. It's so important that you do something that's, you know, achievable, but also more importantly, that is related to you. Because if you don't, particularly in the personal brand world, we all have a personal brand. You don't have to have a profile on TikTok, Instagram, or YouTube to have a personal brand. I talk about going to get an interview for a new job. You're representing your personal brand. If you're going to meet your mother-in-law or whoever it is, the way that you do things is a, is a personal representation of you. It's also a personal brand recognition. You know, it's so true that you say that. I was at an event a couple of weeks ago. Actually, I had two events within the space of two weeks that really honed in on this message, right? So I had 
an event at Spotify HQ up in Sydney and got invited up amongst, amongst a host of other sort of creators who are starting to make a little bit of noise in the podcast space, which was really Jeez. exciting. And I went up there and I sort of sat in the room and they had a couple of people who are doing really well. And they were all sort of sharing and were connecting and talking about what's worked for them in their space. And a lot of people were honing in on how they just picked this certain topic and gone balls to the wall on it. And it really worked for them. But I'm sitting here with a podcast called A Lot to Talk About that is so diverse in the nature of the guests that I have on and the topics we discuss. And there are some niches to it. Like I like to hone in on someone's adversity and how they've overcome that or the challenges in their life because that's very present within my own story. But as I sat there and someone said, you know, what's your podcast about? I said, well, it's about a lot of things, you know, so it's really out of line with what the advice has been here today to hone in on one particular <clears throat> niche or one area. And I understand how that's really important. But for me, I don't think I'd enjoy it as much if I had a specific type of guest on every week. I like the diversity and everyone was like, oh yeah, like that sounds like fun. I like the idea behind that. And I think that's important because if you stray from authenticity, it'll move in a direction you don't want it to go. And then that message was honed in the week later. I was at this speaking event at Luna Park. It's called Humankind. Unreal event. Like we had people, speakers from all over the world. Wim Hof was there. Scott Galloway, um, just incredible people, Jim Jeffries, comedians, performers, speakers, people from all walks of life. And I was lucky enough to speak there on the Thursday and the Friday. And as I was sort of speaking, you get, it was really fancy at the moment. I don't go or eat, eat anywhere fancy or go to anywhere fancy because I'm saving my coin, right? But we had like these little VIP passes that made us feel special and you could go <laughs> in and get like a free lunch in front of the Opera House and the Harbour Bridge. It was beautiful. And in this like sort of green room, VIP room section where all the speakers and performers got to go, you'd meet everyone. And as you're meeting people, so many lovely people, but there are a few people for me who, you know, were there and they've got online presences that say they're this person, but then the way they treat the staff or the security on the door was bloody appalling to me. And I said to my partner, I said, that makes me upset because everyone here is here to do a job. And without those people who organize the event or hold security on the door, this doesn't go ahead. We don't get this opportunity. And just because they don't want to be a speaker doesn't make them any less of a person. Just makes them someone who's trying to do what we're doing. Pay the bills, go home, create a life for their family, be who they are to be authentic. And for me, it really honed in on the importance of knowing who you are and knowing the values in which you want to live your life by. And I think when people don't understand their values, it's hard for them to carve any sort of authentic identity. And I can imagine that you would see that in the content world. Dude, I, uh, I'm a very patient person as, um, my brothers will test to and, and my girlfriend will as well, but there's something I just can't, I just can't, I've got a very short fuse for entitlement. You mm. know, I really, I really struggle with it. I just, it's, I, I I can't fathom in this world, the social world, how because you have a number to your name, it makes you a better person than somebody. And I think that's really unfair. Like I really think like, you know, anybody has, again, back to personal branding. It doesn't matter how many followers you are. Just be like whoever you are, you represent yourself. And it comes back to bright people. It really does. But the, the, the biggest thing I think about this after is I'm like, it's actually really fun, not even just easy. It's really fun to be nice to people. You know, if you have a conversation with the person at the door, you know, unfortunately they don't get the attention they sometimes, you know, deserve. But if you have a little conversation with them, other than, hey, how are you going? Thanks for having us. No, go and actually have a little conversation. They will either remember you and not for you, but they'll remember you and put, you put a smile on their face. And you never know how they'll come back dividends later, not even for you, but like for them, their family go home to like having a happier moment in their life. And I just find that like, why is it so hard for people to be nice to people? And, and I actually just really enjoy it. Everyone's like, you're so nice all the time. Well, I'm not always like, I definitely have my moments and things can get frustrating, but two people who um, are generally respectful and understand like the, the lack of entitlement, no entitlement, all that kind of stuff. Like I'm so nice. Like my mom and dad open the door for people, you know, stay on the inside of 
the road for ladies, you know, look people in the eye when you give them a handshake. Um, make sure you make sure you're actually asking more about the person than asking about you, like little things, and it goes a long way. But all that part of your personal brand in this world of social media is like if you change your parent, your friends, and you want like you you get your people will tell you the people who care about you call you out, which is I think another amazing thing as you grow in this world dude like as you continue to grow your friends will call you out yeah it's like because you're from Wollongong right yeah for so you're from a small town outside of Sydney when you get to the big smoke all of a sudden your friends will start giving you shit for no longer seeing them because you're now doing off doing your thing and that's okay but all your true friends will be really stoked for you but when you come back and they're the ones that will be like okay mate it's so stoked just letting you know kind of shit that you like bailed on me last minute even though i put time aside because your time's more respectful that you think i just want you to know i care about you and that's how i felt that's a true friend so 100%. we're going on a tangent we're going on a tangent here but all i'm saying is like this world has taught me a lot taught me about you know how bad entitlement can be also more importantly taught me who my true friends are i love that man it's so important and it's i think regardless of what stage age part of your life you're in mm. it's so important to keep people around you that can be honest with you you don't Shenzo. want yes men you don't want yes Shenzo. men in your life so absolutely not matter why you ask. get a girlfriend who always um challenges you too in the right ways she's she, she puts up with a lot of shit get me right exactly yeah, so, I'm a, so like, mine. yeah. <laughs> i just need to put that on record just so she knows i talk about it as if i'm a bad human <laughs> <laughs> i love it man i love it Talk to me about some of the challenges that you face getting into this space, because in all honesty, I'm facing a lot of these challenges now. I left my job three years ago because I Mm. wanted to pursue something that I was passionate about. But with that, you know, this doesn't pay the bills immediately. Mm. Comes some financial struggle, comes some challenge in navigating the direction. Even for me, being now my own boss, it's hard for me sometimes to keep myself productive. There's all these challenges that come. What are some of the challenges that you recognize a present in your life maybe at the moment or maybe were and have changed oh dude how long's your list we haven't got enough time <laughs> um I, i've got exciting challenges every single day man but like you know same stuff starting out like you know understanding the model understanding finances time team what your weaknesses are what your strengths are where you need to hone yourself moving to a new country don't know where to get toilet paper don't know who your true friends are thinking you have friends, they're not really friends. Um, dude, the list goes on. Like I would say, you know, there's, everyone has challenges big and small. You know, you got friends, parents who pass away that are associated in business. You got to, uh, you know, that happens, you know, and then you've got the other side, which is less important where maybe a content shoot, the leak goes through the roof of your studio. So you have to like, all of a sudden call the client, let them know you can't deliver on time and maybe you got some damaged production value. So like always is a challenge. I think starting out, you've got to be welcoming the challenge. You've got to go into it knowing it's not going to be smooth sailing. And every single time you get to that thing where you're backed into a corner, are you going to be a lion or are you going to be the mouse who runs through the hole on the inside? Because ultimately for me, I, I've always known, like I've had, I've had, Times when like, should I come back to Australia and re and reset and then come back? You know, I've had people say, you should come home. I'm like, no. And this is early on, but like I had a pretty, pretty big fallout with an opportunity that was here when I was working for like three or four months. It was meant to be paying my bills and they pulled the pin because they, they lost the contract. So they couldn't end up paying me and didn't pay me. So it wasn't like they hadn't paid me for the ongoing, they hadn't paid me for the previous three months. So like I was expecting to pay rent and I didn't. So then all of a sudden yeah. I had to get out of my rent. I had to go sleep on the couch. I had to start finding other jobs and still want to stay here. And that's because I was just so keen and knew where my end goal was. So now it's like any adversity, dude, I can get by. I can get by. And it's like me as one person to represent that, but we all face challenges every day. If you wholeheartedly want to do something, if your whole dream in this space is to get to a position of, you know, maybe you want to move to Sydney, maybe you want to have a podcast, it's a million downloads every single podcast episode whatever it is, if you truly want to do it, you will find a way to do it. Because if you you live, breathe, sleep, everything in that world, you'll find, you'll ask, you'll learn, um, record everything you need to do. And I think that is the one thing that you can't deny. Your passion towards this space 
you know, you'll force yourself and everyone around you realize they're attracted to your flywheel. That's, that's how it is. That's beautifully said, brother. It really resonates because last night I was just sort of looking at this quote that I heard, um, you know, Chris Williamson, yeah. Modern Wisdom podcast, been really enjoying yeah. a lot of his content lately. Yeah, it's great stuff. I, I seen um, an episode that a mate sent to me where he'd featured on another podcast and I was listening to it and there's something I picked up. He spoke about the early days of his challenges, building his podcast and getting to where he is now. And he said, it takes time. You have to be patient. In the end, I've realized that you either give up or you win. And I thought, oh, isn't that a nice little quote to post on the quote. fridge or on the mirror in the morning? And one. as I sort of dwelled on that, he kept moving forward and he said, I think people have this idea or this goal that they'll attack the direction they want to take their life. They'll achieve the success they're out for. And then they'll sit back, cruise and relax. He's like, why would you want to do that? Ultimately, everyone's goal or most people's goal should be to move in a direction that is meaningful to you, achieve a goal, and then set yourself a more lofty, more challenging goal to try and achieve again. The goal isn't to not have challenges anymore. The goal is to just be better versed at handling bigger challenges. And I think it's this misconception we have, and I think it's a big part of, it actually links well to the sort of health society and the health space where people set themselves a 10 week challenge, come out the other side of the 10 week challenge and then fully fall off the cart. Yeah. Where I think we're, we're in this society where for some reason we want easy, quick, consistent wins but we don't want to work for it. And I guess you would know that now, right? Being in this business for 10 years, the minute you stop working for it is the minute you stop earning it and you don't get what you don't earn. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. It's crazy you say that, dude, because like I feel I probably had to reinvent, like a question for you, man. Like, it's like this is, this is a, a curious question. So where I'm at from your perspective, how am I doing? Like if you look at me and what I've done, what I've achieved, what do you see? And like, be completely honest. You can be like, you know, whatever you think straight up. Mate, I see in a different space because you're in that food space. I mm -hmm. see pretty much where I want to be in the next three to five years. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm sort of looking ahead at you and going, oh, you know, the, and not even from a, um, not even from a superficial level, but the following is fantastic, which means like you said before, you know, my purpose is to uplift and inspire hope in others through story. The more followers I have, the more subscribers I have, the more opportunity I have to do that. I see you being where I want to be in three to five years, you know, in a city full of opportunity, yeah. you know, with great people around you, which I'm very grateful to have great people around me already. It's awesome. But definitely I, I see those next few steps for me. Awesome, dude. So this is the reason why I asked this question is for me, I, I'm like, I look where I'm at and I'm like, I feel like I'm, I feel like I feel not like a nobody, but I feel like I've got so much to do still. And I will always have that. I, I think I will. I've got to learn to be satisfied because I am like, you know, getting this and sharing with a team. Awesome accomplishment. Now, like, okay, let's get to the million. Like, I think for me, the journey does take time. You've got to get the reps in, man. You've got to get mm. the reps in. I made so many mistakes. I've been on YouTube for so long. I've done so many. I've done, been in content for like over 10 years now. So you think about that and like, well, hang on. Dan's all of a sudden really taken off the last two years because I made eight years worth of mistakes, you know, like, and so things don't happen overnight. They really, really don't. I can tell you all the challenges and things like I could give you a whole learning book on, on content, man. Like I really, really could, but I'm grateful it's taking me this time. Why? I know why these things have worked. I also know why they haven't. Unfortunately, the way with like YouTube shorts and TikTok and some of these reels, people have been brought into this world where they get millions of followers of a very short span, haven't had the challenges to learn one, how to overcome adversity and two, how to actually analyze why the businesses are succeeding or failing. Hmm. And I'm grateful that it took me 10 years because like you, bro, this is the rest of my life. So like, I think it's so important that people don't think it be, be actually more okay that it takes longer because you want to be able to absorb things, learn, make, make mistakes, learn from these experiences because you'll learn to overcome that adversity and know how to apply it later. 
It's such a good point. I actually said to my partner a few weeks ago, talking about where I want to be in the future, what the goals are. And I said, you know what? Had two years ago, like I've been doing this for three years now. Mm. I said, if two years ago, out of nowhere, the podcast just went crazy. And all of a sudden I had four episodes to film a week, a production team to manage, editing to manage, a schedule that's all over the shop. I don't know that it would have been able to handle it and actually capitalize on the opportunity. And yep. sometimes once you miss that opportunity, it can take a whole reset to get back there again. I think the gradual nature of how this has grown over the course of three years has allowed me to do exactly what you just said, learn on the go, learn from the mistakes, understand myself better, develop more as a man and be in a position where I truly believe where if this took a major step tomorrow, I'd be mentally, physically, emotionally prepared for what's next. But I don't think I would have been two years ago. That's so sick. Yeah, like, dude, look at business. Sometimes businesses grow too fast. A lot of the time mm. they do. Look what happened in the last, look happened in the last three years in business. Yeah. You had all these companies who face significant valuations, tech specifically, and they hired a whole bunch of people. They continue to grow. And as a result of a few things, like the some of the systems didn't work because they couldn't onboard them quickly. Um, they didn't have the ability to have the bandwidth to actually solidify the foundations of their initial core beliefs. And then they go bust because their initial service or product they're offering couldn't be offered. And then also the valuations are far gone. So like the same thing applies whether you're a massive company or you've got your own media, small company. You know, it's so important you don't grow too fast unless you're a genius and you know exactly how to apply all the things that you've talked about without any experience. Because the reason why I can handle, the reason why we got, you know, a million something TikTok followers in a very short span was because I knew, I, I saw the writing on the wall that I had to get two editors very quickly to back up my creative and also set up a system in place that we can create content very quickly and turn it around. Otherwise, I wouldn't have grown as quickly as we did. And that's just only from learning experience the last six years being in this business and mm. production space. Mate, I love that. And that I think that is very good advice, not even just from a business team perspective, but I think mm. I recognize now that at 26, going on 27 very soon, and moving into a space that is starting to become a little bit more successful for me, starting to provide a little bit more opportunity that right now, even when I don't need it potentially is the time to create a team environment surrounding that supports where I may be in two to five years time. Dude, it is crazy. When you, if you, if you, here's an exercise for, you. if you sat down, wrote out in a week, all the things that you need to do, for the business, like you specifically. And then think about all the things that you could delegate. So we'll do a quick exercise. Do you need to write emails to brands right now? Probably because they, they like you, right? Yeah. Right now. But you can eventually coach that. Do you need to be the ones doing interviews? Yes. Yes. Do you need to organize the interviews? No. Do you need to edit the videos? No. That's eventually something you can outsource, right? Do you need to do team leadership? Yeah, probably good for you to lead it. Do you need to organize that? No. So you start to think about all the things that over time you can delegate. Why? Because you need to be Brad. Like in the, the day, you need to be you. Mm. There's, there's only one you. And so you need to free up all your time to be you. So at the start, you do everything. Then you start to think about the first stuff that you can take off your plate that will give you more time to grow the business. And it may sacrifice a bit of income for you, but the long-term opportunity, it's like, People are like, oh, I don't know how to do this. And the first thing I need is like, be okay. okay. First off, how much do you need to annually to live? And like, they tell me, I'm like, well, are you making that? Yep. Okay. Well, can you, can you, you know, sacrifice 20% on top of that, that you may be already earning to give to someone else? Like, yeah, great. Put that aside. Because if you can live off this, you're investing in yourself by putting this aside to someone else to help you grow your business. And that's honestly what's happening. Mate, invest, I, I, invest in yourself. Great advice. I love that so much. And I'm excited to start doing that in my own life. Huge. I want to ask you, you know, you wake up one morning in beautiful, sunny Sydney, the mm. sun's rising over the water, mm. you know, the beaches at your doorstep, you're out for a run, the climate's amazing, but then you make a decision 
to head to the big smoke, to NYC. I want to ask you what inspired that move. I want to ask whether NYC was and was the first option, whether it's been the only option. Talk to me about that journey and what inspired that change. Dude, this is such a cliche to say this. It was never a case of if, it was a case of when. I was fascinated by American culture, fascinated by you know, movies, sport, entertainment. But also, I I felt that there was, you know, with the small amount of population we have in Australia, I could definitely get to where I want to be easier. But I knew that I wanted to impact the world. And I felt like I had to be in a place like New York City for that to happen, or at least America. And the reason why I chose New York over LA was because I grew up on the beaches of Sydney and I needed to see if I could do something different, which was a lot different. So, man, like, yeah, simply put, I I wanted to impact the world. And I think I thought at the time I couldn't do it from Australia. That's a, that's a good answer. I like that. I was listening to Scott Galloway the other day, who I believe mm. is a, um, a New York resident professor yep. at NYU. And I heard him say a piece of advice for people within their 20s, 30s is move to a big city. It's better to be a small fish in a big pond than a big fish in a small pond. Yep. And I like that. And I've often thought, and you know, we have these conversations here at home, if great opportunities pop up, <laughs> in the speaking world for me, the podcast world, the speaking something I'm really passionate about. And I was actually bouncing a few messages with Seb Terry um, the other week. Seb's a good man. Aussie over there doing really well. That's awesome. And he's sharing his experience of, yeah, it's potentially a bit easier to blow up in Oz. But once you do have the attention, the recognition and the reputation to be over there in the big pond is really fruitful. And it's interesting to see your journey. I wonder, you know, you're in the space now where you're continually building, building what you're creating. Is there a point in time where you think it may be time to step away from the big smoke? Like is there potential future family plans where maybe being back in Oz or being somewhere a little bit quieter and slower in America is potentially an option? Mate, I'm like, it's so funny you say that. Like, it's obviously a huge talking point between my Aussie mates over here is like, how do we raise kids in New York? Like, I grew up with, you know, my parents were never rich. They're quite, you know, we weren't exactly, we had massive debt, but we, we lived in the Northern Beaches in a okay house. It was actually terrible, but we lived in the Northern Beaches and I was grateful. You know, like, I was able to, I lived on a hill called Big Old Plateau, could, you know, ride down in about, you know, 12 minutes to the beach. Um, I played rugby for Newport, you know, like I, I just, I live by the coast. I had such an upbringing. So you think about like that lifestyle and you're like, that'd be probably what you want your kids to do at some degree. But then also it's like, well, then that's away from the opportunity where you're at. The, the hard thing for me to fathom that is I haven't, I, I don't know when that's going to be. And if that's going to happen, I could find a way to make that kind of situation happen over here. I could, Maybe go to LA. I don't know. Um, I think the answer to my question is it's always talked about. It's always thought of and discussed, particularly between my Australian friends. As of right now, I just feel like there's so much I'm wanting to achieve that I do want to, you know, get a house in Australia at some point so I can come back for a certain period of time of the year and then fly back here. Or, you know, I think that's something in the future, but I definitely want to have um, more space. I definitely need to have an escape. And what, what I'm learning is maybe that means always having an apartment here and then living somewhere else for a bit, you know? And that's one of the exciting things about New York or America is that's actually quite a possible thing. In, mm. in Australia, I, I don't think you need that, right? You get a home. Um, you don't usually have more than one home. I'm in a holiday house, which is cool. But here it's like you could live in Florida, you know, you could live here. You know, it's... You have a place in Colorado. It's pretty cool, man. Like there's a lot of diversity there. Yeah, that's epic. I wonder what your relationship with time is like, Dan. If you don't mind me asking, how old are you now? Oh man, 33. No problem. No problem asking me. Yeah, 33. So you're at that stage. I'm I'm 27 this year. Mm -hmm. And I would say that if you asked me this question last year, if you said, How do you feel about the fact that you'll be 27? Or how do you feel about the fact that you're closing in on 30? It wouldn't worry me from a physical standpoint of, you know, I think thirties is actually a really good decade for, for, for men in particular, you sort of come into a bit of a prime and a peak. Yep. I think though, 
I would have been a little bit concerned about the fact that, you know, at a certain point last year, I didn't have a partner in my life who I felt like I was moving in a direction of creating what I see as a massive goal to have a family. I would have been a little bit concerned by the fact that whilst I didn't have that, there were a few other things that weren't really moving in the direction I'd wanted them to go. And I know that we can never compare, like comparison is the thief of joy. I love that quote. And I think we're all on different timelines, but I know as you start to enter the thirties, you start to think more about what the future will look like. And, you know, there is a certain age that maybe might be more suitable to raise children and do those sort of things as a man who's so busy and has so many big goals and plans from a career perspective, how do you handle the relationship with time in your personal, not business life? Dude, um, I'm just going to touch on that first point. It's really funny again, like you, not only are you from Australia, but you're from Wollongong and it's even closer to like, you see your mates probably getting hitched early, not early, but like at a cool age. Cause like they're achieving a lot. You know, they've got a, a great job. They live by the coast every weekend. You know, you've got a really nice family environment. And so like, I always love that. And I really appreciate that. And the Northern beaches of Sydney are very similar. And so you definitely like, it's again, a matter of differences, right? So then here, um, people, I wouldn't say they're more ambitious, but their opportunities to do things are prolonged given the amount of time it takes to achieve certain things. Um, and also that, you know, there are further opportunities here than there are in America, in, in Australia. So I think people tend to put those kind of things a little later in life, as opposed to, um, in Australia, I'm growing up, I'm like, yeah, I'd, I'd be happy getting married and having kids in my 20s. I remember thinking that at some point. And then I'm like, whoa, I'm like 30. I'm like, I've got so much to achieve. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but be that as it may, family is so important to me. Um, both my my parents, my brothers, um, like on that, there's that side of it where, you know, I don't get as much time as I want with them. I really don't. Um, I'm, I'm constantly thinking about my mum and dad all the time. My brothers and I, like, you know, growing up, we couldn't be, couldn't be more, uh, I wouldn't say hated, but like disliked of each other just because you're living with your brother on the roof. And I, I'd classify them as, if not my, my best mates, just because they're just, they're true friends, but also yeah. just like, we all get it, you know? So um, I try, I try and be very intentional when I speak to them. My brother, my older brother is so good. He called me out one day, one day and was like, I was riding home and he's like, dude, I just feel sometimes I'm second fiddle and you're traveling between meetings and it's not that you don't want to be on the phone to me, but I feel like I'm second to whatever else is going on. So, you know, come back to me when you, when you're free. And it was such a good wake up call. And I'm like, fuck, he, he cares about me so much to say that. So that's a perfect example of a true friend and a brother. So like from now on, if I'm speaking to him, it's like, hey, dude, like I, I want you to know that I'm going into this meeting. I've got two minutes right now, but all I want is 120 seconds with you. So like just intentionally be really intentional mm. about it. So you'll learn a lot from that. Um, my parents are getting older. Obviously, I want to see them as much as I can. So I try and set time aside for them. And then you've got my family here, which is, you know, my partner and, and Maverick, my Maverick, my dog, man, like, dude crazy i always want a dog growing up always want a dog dad never let me you know obviously one we it's an extra mouth to feed number two um the house wasn't in the state to look after dog number three dad didn't think that the kids look after the dog mum would um but now i've got my own dog and the 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 thing about man's best friend is so it is it is underrated he's my little bro he was sitting up here before i I discipline him. He hangs out with me. He fist bumps with me. He wrestles with me. Um, you know, I love him. And obviously, Milena, my my girlfriend, she, she, you know, she's so driven herself and super inspiring. She's got an amazing story. So for me with her, you know, I, I always want to spend more time with her. The battle that we have, and this is probably one people have a lot, is like you've got one driven individual, another driven individual. So you ships in the night, we both travel. So it's so important that you put time aside to actually be like, Hey, I want to hang out with you. Um, so, you know, she's doing a full-time uni degree of MBA and then also doing full-time work, which yeah, is crushing. Wow. So like, and then we've got a dog and, uh, and I travel ridiculously for work. So, you know, I think in it to summate a really ongoing thing and just talking 
venting, not venting, but just going on a blah about importance of family because it just makes me you know, love my family or think about my family uh, is that, yeah, like you've got to make time. You've got to put time aside for it. And not because you have to, but you want to. I want to see them. Yeah, mate, I love it. I resonate with it highly. Like my family means the absolute world to me. It's awesome. So I've got my mum and my sister are still local, but dad, who's dad's like my best mate, like him and I are very close. And I was living with him in this apartment here, him and his partner. They've moved up to Queensland. My partner and I are now renting this place here. And I speak to dad still on the phone three times every day on FaceTime. We just get a little FaceTime in where we can. And we're still super close, but I love having those people around me. And I think that's been for me, one of the real treasures in having a partner now and building a relationship, thinking about how we add to that in Mm. years to come, how we create a relationship that is closely connected with the people we love. She's very close with her family too. And how important it is to have that time. I want to draw on three things that you mentioned throughout the course of that little conversation there. The first is what your brother said to you. I find this as a, just a massive point. And I know I can be better at this. And I can imagine that for a lot of the men who are listening to this in sort of our age demographic could be better at this too, to be able to hear criticism from the people you love, take it on board and actually not feel offended by it. Like Mm. it's, it's such a skill to not only be able to give loving and honest feedback, but to hear it and take the advice on board. I think too often as men, we can be too stubborn when we hear something that we don't like to hear and we can just even dig our heels in more. I think your ability to hear those messages and you've mentioned things similar to this throughout courses of the episode today. And I think your ability to hear feedback, take it on board and process it is a real skill. Yeah, man. I think you're only as good as your last mistake, man. Like really you have to, you have to be out of like, I, that's what I said to you, dude, just be a sponge. That's all I wanted. I wanted to learn and learning includes mm. feedback. I made so many, I cut myself so many times chopping onions. Cool. Feedback. You know, yeah. that's, I, it's also like, it was a massive learning for me to be able to do that. Cause um, I grew up, my, my dad's super stubborn, super stubborn, man. Um, and always right you know, and dad's kind of love was, and I think a lot of blokes, particularly in Australia relate to this, not emotional. His love was taking me to rugby every weekend, which is a love, like it really is. And I'm grateful. He also never, he never like said, I couldn't do anything. Never said you couldn't achieve. He always supported me, but he never made it easy for me. Maybe pay for things when I was younger that, you know, most people wouldn't have to pay for, but I, I, I respected the understanding of earning my way. And he also like taught me things I didn't want to do. Getting criticism is like telling dad what to do. He's actually gotten a lot better. But like telling my old man, like, hey, this is something you should think about. It was really hard for my brothers and I to do. So I remembered I didn't want to be like that as well. Like I want to be able to learn from it. And so my brother, when my brother, especially my older brother tells me that, He's coming at it not from a way of giving me shit. He's coming at it away from telling from love. He's like, I want you to be a better person. So I'm telling you this right now. And if I have to be the person that looks like the bad person to let you know so you don't do it to someone else, sweet. Which means that he's someone who actually gives a shit. Cause I've probably done it before and no one's had the balls to say anything because they didn't want to hurt my feelings. But you know, that's so important, man. You have to be able to take criticism. Take that breath. Like, honestly, when someone's getting like, he wasn't even fired up. He was actually really mature. He's like, hey, man, just want to let you know. And just learn to take a breath. You go, because if you take a breath before you lash out, before you get fiery, it gives you that time to think. Firstly, the, bre- the breathing drives oxygen to the brain, allows you to actually take on board and make an intelligent decision about what your next step is. Yeah, I like that. That's good advice. The second thing I want to mention is you spoke about little Maverick. Yeah. Firstly, I want to ask what breed Maverick is. Oh, dude, he's a... Hey, Mavi. Mavi. Come here, bud. We're going to get a dog he... reveal here. I'm yeah, excited for this. He's going to come. Mavi, legend. Come here, bro. He's a German Shepherd, Black Lab, Rottweiler, Supermutt. He's wow. got like all the manly... Dude, and he's such a little bro. Hey, bud. What's going on, dude? Come here, buddy. Come here, come here, come here. Come on, come on. 
Come come say hi. How come old is he? Hi. He's about two years old. This God, he's a, a big unit, isn't he? Yeah, he's about seven years old. He's about Oh, look 40. how cute. God, he's cute as. Yeah, he's, look, look, yeah, he's awesome, dude. Look at him. He looks like That's a lab, doesn't he? He's got very dominant lab. He's got pockets of like the Rottweiler brown tinge. Yeah. Um, and then his, his back legs are a lot like a German Shepherd, you know? Okay. Um, he's a hybrid model. Yeah, he's a super hybrid model, man. He's, I love he's, it. He's got a heart. He's got a heart like nothing else. And he's, uh, he's wags at everyone. So loving. Like he, he cuddles with me. He wrestles with me. He's, very, he's just woken up from a nap. He's super passive. I've got his, got his spot and he's going to fall off the couch. He's, he's going to love that. Like, <laughs> you know what yeah, I love man. about dogs, man? Dogs, for me, I've had dogs my whole life. And my little dog just a couple months ago moved away with my old man and his partner. <sighs> Because oh, no. he's got a yard up there. So it's it's yeah. killed me. I've got a little Jack Russell who I love dearly, Hunter. Oh, but the thing that I've learned with a dog is the skill of unconditional love. Yeah. Understanding that even when things aren't going your way, that you can still be happy. You can still love the people around you. And it's also the discipline of looking after someone who isn't yourself, which I think a lot of young people need to learn and understand that discipline. Something that yeah, for me was, was so a massive huge. learning curve. Dude, yeah, it's like giving giving time to someone else, like yeah, it's it's crazy, and yeah, they, 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 how smart are they? When you're upset, they lick you. They just know. Yeah, they know. We're talking about my partner and I were talking about this last night. We seen a video of a service dog on Instagram helping its owner who had like a bit of a health episode, sure. and they're just they're such amazing creatures. It's the so other thing cool. I want to mention, man, you spoke about your partner who I had the pleasure of meeting her when I was over there with you. And she's just such a gem of a human. You can tell such a caring soul. <laughs> Very lucky, man. I can imagine. And this is for me has been the biggest learning curve through having a partner the last couple of months. Cause I was single for most of my life. Just never yeah. really found anyone that I connected well with and finally yeah. found my person. And it's been the most amazing, you know, five months of my life. I've loved it so much. Awesome, and the thing that I've learned through having a partner is that it's like having a partner is like the ultimate mirror where you can reflect back on the things that you need to improve on as a human being. Because sometimes I get a little bit snappy because I'm so used to running on my own schedule or things get stressful. And normally when things get stressful, it's just me and my own world dealing with it. I don't have someone else to think about in that time when things are becoming a little bit overwhelming and having a partner who's made me more conscious of the way that I act, react, think, the way that I spend my time, the way that I give my attention has made me such a better man, in my opinion. I hope she can say the same. I'm sure she would. <laughs> but do you resonate with that? Oh, mate, absolutely. I think um, I think every every bloke listening in today will admit, they'll admit two things. They'll laugh about their misses, but they'll also know how fortunate they are to be the guy to call her, you know, um, his lady. And they test us, they challenge us, um, you know, and we do exactly the same things to them. And I think you noted it. You've been single for a long time and a partner is meant to make you a better person. And also they're meant to, just like your brothers and your true friends, they're meant to bring things out, to be honest with you. Your mindset for so long is me, 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 me. What do you want to do? Whatever I want to do. What do I, what do I do not? Whatever I want to do. What am I going to for a walk? Whenever I want it. Now it's like, you have to think about other people, which is how you have to develop as a person. And unless you want to be single for the rest of your life, which is totally fair. Some people do. And that's awesome. Having a partner is a partner. It's a partner for a reason. It's called a partner. Um, and, you know, I was like, your, you probably were brought up a little bit differently to the way Milena was. And so I learned that maybe there's things I can help her with. And there's tons of things she helps me with, but, yeah, man. Like, I think you got to you got to have the maturity to be like, okay, I'm not the perfect person in the world. I'm far from it, and this person who I care and adore is going to be the one that I want to help me on it. You know what I mean? And mm. that's um, that's the way it should be. I heard this beautiful video a couple of months ago, just before I met my partner, actually, Gene Iko, the musician, and Big Sean, who are partners in life, and Gene said. I don't need someone to complete me. I need someone to compliment me. And, and I like that because I know that my partner compliments me. And I know that if you're searching for someone to complete you, 
which maybe I have done in the past, it, it doesn't usually end well. And the, the, probably the thing I'm most proud of over the course of the last few years as my growth in my growth as a man is owning the insecurities that were holding me back from taking the next steps in life and just being self-accepting, which then allowed me to have self-confidence and self-belief. And for me, for anyone out there who is single, I would say, don't stop asking yourself the questions, like the serious life questions that you know can allow you to develop and be better. And you don't stop doing it in a relationship either. But for me, I'm so glad I asked myself those questions because when the right person came around, I was able to capitalize on it. And I was able to to form a relationship that is, you know, now beautiful and super exciting. And, and that's probably the thing I'm proudest of over the last few years. I've worked on myself to a point where I was able to take that step. That's awesome, dude. It's such a, thanks for sharing. It's um, super vulnerable too. I think it's such a beautiful thing to a young man to be able to do and, and inspire other people to be okay with that kind of stuff. I think it's such a, it's such a hell, it's one of the healthiest things ever. You have all this might around being a man and the testosterone, the manliness of being a man and um, the insecurities. Guys are way more insecure than girls, you know, straight up. Mm. Like we just don't show it. And that's, that's fine. But once you overcome the fact that you are someone who's insecure, you can learn how to handle it. If you're, if you are dependent upon your relationship to be happy, it's not going to be a healthy relationship because you put everything into that relationship, making it to be as happy as it can be. When reality is you'll, you won't be happy yourself. So the fact that you found happiness individually and then found a partner makes who, who really is someone so good for you and vice versa, it doesn't surprise me. Because unless until you're happy with yourself, you will not be happy in a relationship. Mate, it's so true. Mate, I want to let you go so you can get to your evening because I know it's starting to get a little bit dark <laughs> and you're probably starting to settle in for the evening. The last thing I want to ask you is for everyone listening to this today, to everyone tuning in who, just like us, would have goals, aspirations, dreams, things that they want to achieve in life. If you could leave them with one last message and encourage them to act on that message, what would it be? I, I say this all the time. And, um, you know, I, I live by this phrase to control the controllable. I talk about that a lot. You know, like, you know, I had some goals this week for my own team. It was like not, not actually controlling the outcome, but controlling the actions that could impact the outcome. You can't control, you know, if you're playing footy, what the 14 other people do on the football field. You can control what you do to put your team in the best position to do the best thing on the football field. Same thing with work, same with your partnership, you know, your relationship. And so I think that's sort of something I've lived by. The second thing I also do is when I get up in the morning, I say this word in my head, it says pioneer. And every time I've done something and seen success in an inflection point in my career, it's because I did something that was different, true to me, but completely different and did it first. That's what a pioneer does. And so if you're thinking about copying and being a sheep, there's nothing wrong with that. There's plenty of market share or category for people in every space. But like I would say that if you can pioneer a space and be the king of that category, it will pay dividends. It may take a little time to get it going, but if you do, it's a big win. So control the controllable and pioneer. Mate, I love that so much. I'm firstly a massive supporter of everything that you're doing on a business content level, but I'm now a massive supporter of you, the man. I feel like today's been a great opportunity for me to get to know you a little bit better after our initial meeting last year. And mate, I'm so excited by everything you're doing. I love seeing an Aussie win over in the big smoke. And mate, I just love being able to connect and I take so much inspiration from everything that you're doing in a business world, but also in the running world. I know you don't recognize yourself as a runner but you're doing some amazing things i'm looking forward to following on and i'm hoping that in the not too distant future i can get back over there to the big apple and run new york marrow with you and the crew mate that'd be sick well mate you keep doing what you're doing you're legitimately inspiring so many just through your vulnerability your honesty openness uh you know if we have more young blokes like you in the world it's gonna be a very very positive future so mate keep being epic dude honestly you're too kind 
you too, Quan. I'm going to make sure that all your details are in the show notes so everyone who's enjoyed today's episode can go ahead and um, be a supporter of Dan Churchill. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Dan Churchill, thanks for being here, my friend. Cheers, brother. Appreciate it, my man. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of A Lot To Talk About. It means the world that you guys are in my corner, that you continue to listen to the show every week. And if you could do me a massive favor by following the podcast on whichever platform you listen to it and sharing this episode in particular with just one friend that you feel would benefit from it, that would mean the world to me and it would help the show grow. The more the show grows, the bigger the guests we get on, the more that we can do and the more we can share and support you guys, the listeners, the viewers of the show. Before I go, I want to pay my respects and recognize the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet and record this podcast. The Aboriginal culture has such a rich history in storytelling and as a passionate storyteller, I really hope that the stories we share and connect with on the show can allow the many cultures that now call this beautiful land Australia their home to come together and continue to respect the stories and the culture that make this the land it is today. Thank you so much for tuning into A Lot To Talk About. I'll catch you next week.